0: Protectors of the Wood episode series, episode number 23, No Mob scene Today.
1: Abby awoke a couple of hours later. The sun was going down. She knew parts of the garden needed watering and weeding. In fact, the lawn was becoming unruly and sloppy, at least by neat suburban standards. But she was starving and too tired to care about neat suburban standards. She was thinking...
2: I've become everything for everybody. That's right. At your disposal. Abby Chapman reporting for duty. Job description. Everything for everyone. Rank general. Meaning generally in charge of most everything.
1: She paused and tried to put her thoughts on a different channel.
2: Oh, stop it. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Cook, eat, now.
1: She searched the burlap bags for the food remaining from her ill-fated harvesting expedition. There were plenty of apples, finger beans, and amaranth. She ate two apples, let the finger beans fry, and then ate them as well. She was not satisfied and found energy to make dessert. Long stalks holding an astonishing number of small tan seeds filled most of one bag. These amaranth seeds were already collecting at the bottom of the bag. Abby removed all except the amaranth and shook the bag over and over and then stroked each head of blossoms until there were enough loose seeds to fill a large bowl. After soaking the seeds in water, she added them to the hot oil in her biggest pot with a cover and popped them like popcorn. But it was much more difficult than making popcorn. She stirred carefully for 20 minutes to avoid burnt seeds. Finally, she added just enough honey to make it all stick together. After another round of heating, the amaranth and honey settled into a flat cake of seeds. She let it cool for an hour while she gave some attention to her neglected guitar and whistles and then carved the amaranth into what could be described as candy bars, 10 of them. She immediately ate two. They were delicious and gave her a sugar buzz. Then she started working on a song. A few chords went together and she found a few words.
0: Green leaves grow in the morning light. Blackbird.
1: as far as she could go outside it was dark the breeze from her open window was cool and pleasant she ate another amaranth bar and made up melodies with a whistle it felt wonderful to have no visitors no obligations and just let her mind wander she found herself thinking about tiny and her friends the group of children who had become attached to her Abby realized that they had already become a powerful influence over her, she recalled parts of their conversations and began thinking,
2: Basically, all of them, especially Lucy, have been telling me to get my shit together. I know that sounds absurd, as if four or five-year-olds could know more than me about some pretty complicated stuff. Perhaps Lucy has turned six. She just couldn't be five. But anyway, I know for sure that interview today, whatever was good in it, was all inspired by them. I have to get this childcare job. If that's my new normal, I might survive all of this and settle down with some nice, interesting, warm person.
1: Abby began to weep. She wasn't sure why, but tears rolled down her cheeks and she sobbed into her pillow. No one was around to judge her and she could cry as long as she wanted. Finally, she accepted the fact that she felt lonely. This leadership thing was lonely.
2: I'm around people all the time, but I'm not close to anyone. I'm just flat out lonely. Well, at least I can see it. And to some extent, I accept it. And to some extent, I don't. Sometimes
0: I'm walking on rain. Sometimes I'm locked underground But if I hear you say It's all okay There's nothing compares with that Shape that I'm in Just come back to me I'll be yours for free, I'll do all the good I can do It's just that I need you I care about a lot of things I guess I try and I try just to do my best, but if it's not right with you, there's nothing I can do. I'm lost before I begin. God help the shape I'm in. God help the shape that the shape that I'm in. Just come back to me. I'll be yours for free. I'll do all the good I can do. It's just that I need you. Sometimes I'm stumbling through my day. And there's no light upon the way There's nothing I can see It's dark as can be Hold my hand and see me through I'm lost if I don't have you God help the shape that I shape that I'm in Just come back to me
1: Then she remembered her note from Muvia and dug it out of her back pocket. She read it over a few times and even read it out loud. The door to her room of memories opened and images from childhood flashed through her mind. Her visions, her dreams of glory, the river and the cliffs and the stars in the sky and her friends from those early years, especially the members of the Young Warriors Club.
2: We believed in ourselves. We believed in our future. We believed in each other.
1: She saw images of Yuvia, Diego, Isaiah, Ishmael, Lexa, Alex, and Junior. Junior had idolized his grandfather, the storyteller, In fact, the whole group had idolized him, calling him Mr. Walker. The grown-ups called him Sage, a nickname, also a mark of respect. Only Junior could call him Grandpa. And then, Sage Walker had suddenly died. Quietly in his sleep, He passed on. A whole world ended for the young warriors. They somehow had to carry their ideals by themselves. And to make matters worse, Abby had almost died of asthma and pneumonia, and her family moved to Ridgewood, where Abby felt deserted, all alone. Tears ran down her cheeks. And she knew as clear as day that these memories lay behind her every move, her every thought. She put the letter from Yuvia under her pillow and went to sleep holding it in her hand. Abby slept like a stone and was awakened in the full light of morning by a knock on her door. Groggy and full of dreams, she came to the door and yelled,
2: Who is it? It's me, Janet, the church secretary. Tuck once you seated 15 minutes early today. No need to open for me. That's the whole message. Thank you, Janet. I'll be there.
1: Abby checked the time. Already 10.15. She showered and dressed in her interview clothes from yesterday. The water had been heating, and she poured a cup of breakfast mixture and sliced an apple.
2: Now why does Tuck want me early? Actually, it's not a bad idea. Then I won't have to wander around looking for a seat in full view of everyone. Standing room only would be no surprise, unless people are too afraid to come. Maybe I should be too afraid to come.
1: At 1045, the church bells rang. Abby looked out the kitchen window and saw crowds on the sidewalk.
2: Yes, it's definitely Chief Santiago at the gate. In uniform. We've got security. Now that's reassuring.
1: Abby rapidly walked across the churchyard and slipped in through the side door. The church was already half full. Abby made a beeline for her front corner seat. Only steps from the door. She sat looking down at the floor, hoping to be ignored. A body slid next to her on the right, so close they were touching.
2: Sule, how nice of you to find me today. What? Nico and Phoebe, too?
1: Abby stood to hug them all. Phoebe and Nico took the seats directly behind her, like bodyguards keeping watch. A few seconds later, Sule whispered, Hey, Abby, look who's here. She turned to see Sarah and Stephanie join the cluster on the corner. Sule kept scanning the area and taking cell phone pictures. Phoebe called out.
0: Hey, Abby, look, Jeremy, Penny, Jim.
1: She turned to wave.
0: And there's Sammy and Gilligan. Hey, what up, kid?
1: Suddenly, when Abby's head was turned, waving to friends, two small figures jumped on her knees and threw their arms around her.
2: Tiny, Lucy!
1: Abby was so glad to see them, her eyes brimmed over and tears rolled down her cheeks. (laughs) (laughs) Look! Look, everyone! She's crying! Abby hugged them again as Glenda and Tom Winkle tried to persuade the girls to move to nearby seats. Louis, Jasmine, and Nancy arrived, and they all squeezed together. The group buzzed with conversation. Very gently the organ began playing. Bishop Beckett and Reverend Tuck took their seats near the lectern. Wanderers retreated to their seats. Abby was surprised by the absence of any press trying to get a quick photo. There was no unfriendly noise, no staring strangers. She looked up and there was the explanation for the new atmosphere. Chief Santiago stood in front of the door flanked on either side by Geraldine Baer and Fred Peterson. All three had faces of stone. They studied the audience like security at a political rally. They did not acknowledge Abby and her friends at all. And then a man in his 50s with wavy gray hair and a well-tailored suit walked down the aisle and spoke a few words to Chief Santiago in a low voice. Abby had seen him before, at the coming home party for Phoebe, it was Harold Wilcox, longtime mayor of Middletown, a shadowy figure who avoided public appearances and controversy. This was a surprise. Abby whispered to Suley, Well, no mob scene today. Thanks for listening.
0: Episode number 24 is coming soon. To hear all the episodes, please go to our website at www.protectorsofthewood.com. For Facebook and Instagram, go to Protectors of the Wood Book Series. Follow me. It's all right, you see. There's nothing for you to fear. Come on over here. You can see me through your tears. I'll listen to you. Go ahead and cry from your heart. I'll see you part with me. There's always a way. I'll see you wherever you. to me and you'll surely see how life begins all around see what you found just walk through It's all that there is. In darkness, I'll come to you. Remember, I'll always come through if you only you. knew. It's all really true. How life begins all around. See what you found.